So if you've been following along with my videos lately, you may have noticed kind of a trend towards topics like relationships, um, toxic people, manipulation, how to spot that, how to like set up boundaries to stop manipulative behavior. If you've ever been in a toxic relationship, you're going to know what I'm talking about. It's confusing. That is one thing that really defines toxic relationships. You're confused a lot of the time. It's like you have to become some kind of a detective to even figure out what's going on. You could have a really poor relationship with somebody and it could be mean, it could be, you know, physically abusive, and you might still not be confused. But then there's these other relationships where you're not really sure what's going on half the time. You know, are you being manipulated or are you not being manipulated? Like, what, like, what was that? Like, that didn't add up with this. Like, you're confused, you feel bad. You know, these are the kinds of signs that you're with a toxic person or you have a toxic relationship. When you get confused, you might start researching and basically turn into a bit of a detective so you can sort it out and hopefully make some sense of it. So sometimes people wanna know like, well, why are you so obsessed with this stuff? Like, why are you trying to classify people and reduce them into this box? And I think what it comes down to is I'm, I'm not trying to do that. These are all abstract models. And I think that's the key part. You know, before you call somebody a narcissist um, or even personality stuff, like, oh, that person's an INFJ. All these things are sort of abstract models to describe chaotic and complex things like people. The way I find it useful is if somebody is meeting a model, okay, this person is kind of explainable in this way. It's not chaos. In a way, I think I'm comforted when I kind of can predict what people are gonna do. Like if, if you have no idea what someone's gonna do and they're always taking you by surprise, I find that extremely uncomfortable. So for me, a lot of these models kind of help you know, identify toxic behaviors and kind of give me some confidence that, no, I'm not the crazy one here. There actually is something going on with this person. And, you know, I might not know everything about them, but I know enough to know they're toxic and then I can start putting up some good boundaries in that relationship. All right, so the word narcissism, it's kind of an interesting word because I think in the last decade or so, it's kind of been hijacked by culture and it's starting to mean something different than what it was originally intended to mean. So in the beginning, it was a personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. It's almost like lately, culture has kind of hijacked that and now people are starting to get these ideas of what it means and it's sort of different than the original psychological definition. And if you go on YouTube and you start looking up narcissism, you're gonna find a lot of information on overt narcissism, but people don't really call it that, they just use the word narcissist. And so I think in culture, like if you're like, oh, that guy's a narcissist, it's almost meant more to describe these overt types. And overt means sort of just obvious, grandiose. And I'll go more into the explanation of what overt and covert mean in a minute. But in my opinion, it's the covert narcissists that are the real dangerous ones. They're extremely hard to identify. You know, you could go months or years with a person just not even figuring this out until you actually realize it. Um, even therapists have a really hard time diagnosing people with this because the thing about this co more covert style of narcissism is it's hidden. It can be expressed in many different ways. So, you know, you see one narcissist over here 
and then you see another one, and they, they might appear on the surface drastically different. And one might be overt, one might be covert, or they might just be two different styles of covert. But the, the, the point is, is that they can both be narcissists. When I first started reading about this, I was like, oh, well, yeah, this, my person, my toxic person, that sounds, you know, a little bit different. But then I started researching more and started to realize that it can be expressed in different ways. And so that's the key. So to start things off, I wanted to kind of cite my sources so you know where I'm getting a lot of this information from. I think there is lots of bad information on the internet about this stuff, but there's lots of good information as well. And so if you want to do your own research, um, these are the sources I think that are good. So actually, there's a, I have a friend of a friend who's a psychiatrist and is really knowledgeable about this stuff. And she had recommended a handful of people on YouTube that she thinks really know their stuff. And so... You know, one of those is Richard Grannon, Spartan Life Coach. Um, the Little Shaman, uh, Meredith Miller, Inner Integration. And Melanie Tonya Evans also is really good. And there's also a channel on YouTube called Surviving Narcissism. And so also I've read what the DSM has to say. And that is basically the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And that's sort of the main psychological reference, I guess, for all these personality disorders. And one thing I've noticed about the DSM is it doesn't really go into a lot of depth about covert narcissism. And I kind of wondered why in the beginning. Like, there's a lot of these people on the internet talking about covert narcissism, and yet the DSM doesn't really talk about it. And I think that's why I'll go into it here soon. A covert narcissist is just a narcissist that is expressing things in different ways. They're kind of like a shy narcissist. So at its core, what is a narcissist? And I think one of the simplest definitions that I have is it's a person that really just has very low empathy. They don't really care about you other than how you affect them. Uh, they're very self-centered. They have a very specific agenda. It's often that they're projecting a false self and they're following this agenda and they're kind of protecting this false self at all costs. And then another part of that is that they have a real problem being vulnerable. And so you can never really get down to them. Like you can never really get below the surface. They often just won't let you in. And so it's almost going to feel like you just really can never get to know this person. So it's a very low empathetic person. They're following their agenda. They don't really care about you. And oftentimes they kind of use people as tools. Oh, this is a hammer and I need, a, I need to put this nail into a board. So what am I going to use? I'm going to use a hammer. So they can often be quite good at identifying people and then using them for those traits. Like it could be a status thing. Oh, they really like that person because that person has a lot of status and maybe they can get things out of that. Or maybe you're a really empathetic person and you can help them or give them things or you have skills that they can use. But they're very often ungrateful. Um, they don't really care about you. The end result is you kind of giving and them kind of taking. And that's really the best situation for a narcissist is, I'll get into this later, but narcissistic supply. They need narcissistic supply and they're getting it from you. So what is an overt narcissist versus a covert narcissist? I think in its simplest definition, an overt is a person where it's just obvious. Like you can see them coming a mile away. They're grandiose. They think they're amazing often. And generally speaking, people kind of agree with them and kind of bolster that self-image. And I think it gives them a, a bit of a confidence. So overt narcissists can often get into positions of power like CEOs, pillars of the community, people that are you know, running the show can often be overt narcissists. So these people can just kind of bulldoze ahead and exude this confidence because they just know they're right. 
And people kind of can be attracted to that sometimes. So that's the kind of the ironic thing. So these people can often end up in, you know, positions of power. And as long as everybody's listening to them, it works pretty good. They're the leader. You're the follower. Great. You know, they make it very clear what they want. And it's clear that they deserve it. And you better give it to them or, you know, there's going to be hell to pay. And that's basically it. They want something. You're a tool. They're going to use you like a tool. And so over at Narcissus, they're pretty easy to spot once you know the signs. And, you know, it's not too hard to steer clear of them. So coverts are, at their core, still a narcissist, still somebody that has this low empathy, self-centered, you know, they, they think that they're great. They're just more shy in how they do it. And really, that's what that means. It could be a shy narcissist or a vulnerable narcissist. I've heard it. Um, the internet likes to use this term covert, but it's really not an official name is what I've realized. So these people, they think they're awesome. They know they're right. But it just seems like maybe people might not agree with them as much. So they don't get that same self-confidence boost that an overt gets. So they might be walking around. They're kind of, they might be you know, a little bit insecure. They could be angry or depressed. They could kind of have this demeanor like, oh, the kind of like a, a victim mentality often. Oh, if, any, if only everybody knew how awesome I was. Like, they often come across like they have this special information that the world, uh, the world doesn't seem to be getting. But because they're not overt, they kind of have to be more sneaky to get what they want. They don't just come out and boss people around and tell them what to do like an overt does. They use a lot of manipulation, um, guilt tripping, like there's just a lot of guilt tripping going on. They play the victim a lot and they use that to kind of make you feel bad for them a lot of times. So now all of a sudden you're helping them um, and giving them what they need, but it's not because they're overtly asking for it. It's almost like you volunteered, but you're, and in the end, you're kind of like, did I volunteer or is this person kind of guilting me into doing this? So you kind of have this, this weird feeling all the time. So in, a, in general, coverts are just, it's just less obvious and they can hide it and it can go on for years, not really fully understanding this person before you, you know, finally discover it. But the key traits are the same. Uh, they're going to have low empathy, they're going to act like they don't really care. You know, you're not going to feel very understood around a narcissist, that's for sure. Unless, you know, you happen to be on the same page as them and following their agenda, then things work great. And that's, I think that's, that's sort of the key about narcissists. As long as you're doing what they want you to do, they can be quite happy and they don't really need to pull out any of these manipulation techniques because you're just doing what they want. But, you know, if you start to get a little bit of a mind of your own or you start to question them or they're not getting what they want anymore, you know, things can get heated pretty quick and things can turn into complete chaos. So what I'm going to do for this video is talk about the key traits of narcissistic people in general first. And then I'm going to go into some more specific traits that more identify the covert types. Because the covert types are people you really got to look out for. And it's hard to identify. And I think that a lot of people could, you know, if you're dealing with a person like this, you could use a few tools in your belt. So I've kind of stripped that out. And so that'll be the second part of this video. So the first trait I want to talk about with narcissists, something I already mentioned, but I'm going to go into more detail here, and that is low empathy. You know, so what is empathy? Empathy is basically the ability to recognize other people's feelings, needs, wants, and kind of, you know, you want to give it to them, 
because it's good for them, not because it's good for you. And that's what empathy really is at its core, is helping other people for their sake, not yours. And so a person with low empathy or no empathy is essentially just doing things for people, you know, only if it's good for them. Like they'll help that person, but then they expect something in return. Or, you know, they're friends with somebody, but maybe that person has something they want. You know, so empathy is a tricky thing. I mean, you could be like, wow, look at this person giving all this money to this charity. That person must have a lot of empathy. And it's like, not true. Narcissists can actually be quite charitable givers, but they're often quite loud in it, right? They're like, look at me, I am giving all this money to this charity, look how great I am. And it's like, they're not doing it for the charity or for the person, not out of empathy, they're doing it because it bolsters the, the image that they're trying to portray. So very self-centered is a, is a key trait here. They really just care about their own needs. They don't care about your needs except how it affects them. So another sign of low empathy is just a general disregard for your feelings or opinions or ideas. Basically, they just brush it off. It's just not important to them. It's not that they disagree with you. It's just you'll find that they just don't care. Like they just literally don't care what you're thinking because it doesn't really help them in a way, right? You have to be able to express your opinions and ideas to another person in order to sort of feel intimacy. And if somebody just doesn't care um, or doesn't really take the time to understand you, then you know, that's, that's gonna be a killer to intimacy. So that's why it's so difficult to actually get to a deep level of intimacy with a narcissist. So low emotional intelligence is also part of this. And it's basically just they have a hard time often understanding complex feelings. Let's say there's some nuanced emotions going on. It just goes right over their head often. And they'll say weird things in response. And basically the, the end result is you just feel misunderstood. And you feel like you're in the twilight zone half the time. So another sign of low empathy is they just really don't compromise very often. They have a way of doing something. There's something that they want. They are doing that thing. Like let's say that you're in a relationship with this person and they're doing something that you don't want and you kind of voice this. It's just like they're almost confused looking at you like, what? You're not on board with what I'm doing? Like how dare you? This is what I'm doing. You know, normal people, if you have a disagreement, sometimes will compromise. They'll kind of meet in the middle but they don't compromise very well. Narcissists have a real hard time with that. And you'll find yourself, if you're in a relationship with one of these people, you're the one doing all the compromising to kind of just end the argument because it's so uncomfortable. But like you might have the same argument for weeks, over and over. And it's like, haven't we talked about this five, six, seven times? And it never really seems to get anywhere. And that's because there's just no compromise. So another part of low empathy is they just often don't have a lot of remorse. They don't apologize very much. If they do something wrong, they often don't recognize it. And then if you tell them that you, you know, didn't like something, they have a really hard time understanding that to the point where they actually can get it enough to apologize. Because like, what's the first step of apologizing? The first step of apologizing is to actually understand the problem. The problem is they don't often understand the problem. So they can't really get to that point of apologizing. Um, if they do apologize, I have seen this multiple times, they're just doing it to kind of get you off their back. It's like, I need to get this pesky fly away from me, so I'll just throw out this apology. And that's why I did the other video, actually. It's on faux apologies, basically all the ways that people give fake apologies, or narcissists especially. And they'll give you one of these fake apologies to kind of get you off their back. And if you can recognize these apologies, you'll realize pretty quick that that's not a real apology. Something like saying, oh, I'm sorry that you feel that way. 
You know, you can't apologize that somebody else feels a certain thing. You can apologize for something you did. You can take ownership for it. But I'm sorry that you feel that way is, is one example of a tricky apology that they'll often use. So another sign of low empathy is they just often don't have time for you. Like whatever they're doing is just more important. Um, you know, sometimes it's ridiculous. Like you could be having a crisis and their like super insignificant thing is taking priority. It's like, oh, I really need to get my car washed. I can't really listen to you about your crisis right now because my car needs to be washed. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like they just don't care. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how else to say that, but it sounds kind of cold and callous, but um, their stuff's more important. So, you know, the tricky thing about empathy is that oftentimes they can kind of do these things that make the inexperienced eye think they have empathy. Um, like oftentimes they can get really sentimental. They can have these sort of emotional outbursts sometimes. So you think, oh, they, they have emotions. But really it's just sentimentality kind of coming out. And it's, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know sometimes. I wonder if it's like, because they spend so much time bottling their emotions and not expressing them, not being vulnerable to people, not discussing them, that all of a sudden sometimes they kind of just come out. So along with low emotional intelligence is I think that sometimes they almost feel like they should be expressing emotions that they don't feel in the moment. So they think, oh, a normal person probably should be feeling this in this moment, so I will express that. And so sometimes it'll just be really strange. They're kind of expressing these emotions that don't really quite make sense or it sounds very cliche, like they're just sort of repeating a cliche line. Your authenticity detector is always kind of going off. It's like, hmm, that was... That was a little weird, like, <laughs> did they really feel that emotion or are they just trying to make me think they were feeling the emotion? So this is kind of where that detective thing comes in. Like these people can be so confusing and you can spend like a lot of your time just trying to decode a lot of the stuff they're doing. So, you know, low empathy, low emotional intelligence, it really just, the end result is it's really hard to connect with these people. A normal person, you might have a conversation like, you think of an idea, so you say blah, 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 and you say something to them, and then they go, oh, that's interesting, what about this? And they say something back. Like, that's a normal conversation, or they, uh, you know, they might ask a follow-up question if they don't completely understand what you're saying. Um, basically, normal people have a curiosity in each other, and that's sort of one way I think you can recognize a healthy relationship. If this person's curious about you, like, are they curious about your innermost being, your thoughts, your, your goals, your dreams? And that's a really good sign. But oftentimes narcissists, they're not curious about you. Basically, it just it's like you can talk and you could say some stuff and then they don't ask any follow-up questions. And then it kind of ends up in this, what I've kind of experienced is I feel like I'm kind of just carrying the conversation and it's like I'm talking, talking, talking. And then they might say like, oh, interesting. Or yeah, oh, cool and then it's over. Like they're not asking any follow-up questions, they're not interested, and you feel, you always just have this feeling like you're just, not, you're just not being heard, you're not understood, it's a bad feeling. You know, a good relationship with somebody, they'll show some curiosity and actually, you know, ask about your questions and things like this. And, you know, for a person like me, that is kind of a idea-based person, you know, I got all kinds of ideas. I like talking to people about stuff. You know, this becomes really apparent really quick and it's sort of like, you only can talk about the weather so long, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, going back to the intimacy thing, it's really hard to have a, a deep level of intimacy 
with these people. And I think it's also possible to have low emotional intelligence without being a narcissist. So I want to I wanna clarify that. So all this stuff could be the sign of just low emotional intelligence. Um, a narcissist sort of has a few extra traits as well. Um, and we'll get into those next. But, you know, a key part of low empathy is they're just bored by you. You might just feel like this person doesn't care. And you're always kind of like, just this, it's this sick feeling inside, like this person doesn't really care about me. Like, it's like, they might, they kind of just using me as a helper. Like, you might feel that way. Like, like, you're doing stuff for them and they seem appreciative, like sort of like a boss-employee relationship or something. Anyway, the whole thing is weird. All these things kind of stem from lack of empathy. So the next sign of a narcissist, in my opinion, is this lack of vulnerability. So it kind of comes across like they're quite shallow sometimes. You know, they might be interesting people doing lots of interesting things and have status and success, but when you try to talk to them, you know, they'd often don't let you into their deep insights or thoughts very easily. Or you might just ask, you know, what are you feeling right now? Tell me how you're feeling. And it's like, they're gonna avoid that question or they might cover it up. They don't like talking about their feelings. They don't like being vulnerable. They don't like getting to that point where there's vulnerability and you're actually holding them, right? There's an actual trust required. They don't wanna trust you. And so they strongly dislike having their weaknesses known or their weaknesses kind of on display. And so if you're a bit of an intuitive person and you kind of notice a weakness or you kind of call them out on something or you kind of see something in them and you talk to them about it, you know, they can have, they can get super defensive, emotional outbursts, really upset, you know, really defensive. And, you know, if it's something in your relationship that you really need to resolve, this is hard because you're just going to basically go around in circles with them, you know, not admitting, not being vulnerable. It's really difficult to get anywhere with somebody who's not vulnerable. And if you're the type of person who requires vulnerability, like I think for myself, what's the key thing I need out of a relationship? I need some vulnerability. I'll be vulnerable, you be vulnerable, we will be vulnerable together, and that's what emotional intimacy is. And you can have emotional intimacy between friends, um, you know, in a romantic relationship. I think it's a requirement to have emotional intimacy. I think I'll do a video actually on emotional intimacy coming up. I got some ideas about that. But, you know, with a narcissist, it's really hard to get to that level because of their lack of vulnerability. All right, so the next thing directly builds upon the lack of vulnerability, and that is they have this thing inside of them that they're trying to hide. There's this shame or guilt or something all underneath it all. And, you know, you got to remember that what is narcissism caused by? It's often caused in childhood by some kind of trauma, often by another narcissist. But the whole point is they're vulnerable. So now what do they do? They hide that vulnerability. They cover it up, and then they, they sort of put a shell over themselves and then project this false self. And you see this a lot in social media, actually. Um, I kind of suspect sometimes when you see these people that are portraying this perfect life, like... And you know their life's not perfect, right? Like maybe you know this person, their life's a disaster, but they're projecting this perfect life, this perfect relationship, perfect children, perfect parents, perfect, just perfect everything. That is basically projecting a false self. And I'm not saying everybody who does that is a narcissist. I'm just saying that narcissists 
always project a false self. This is the really tricky part about this, is they could be projecting anything. It could be as simple as, I'm successful. Look at how awesome I am. Or it could be, I am very smart. Or I'm very intellectual. Or I'm a scientist. Or it could be something like, I'm a skateboarder. You know, like, look at me. And then they, they take on that identity and they project this thing. They could even be projecting a false self like something like a generous, humble person. So you can have a religious narcissist. And actually, that's, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous forms of narcissism because it's very confusing. On one hand, you have this extremely humble, giving, generous person. But then, you know, behind the scenes, you're seeing things and you're like, yikes, what was that, right? Um, It's not quite adding up. And like, once you get to know this person, you realize that they are anything but humble. They are anything but generous. You know, they might be giving away their money, but they make sure everybody knows it. Um, they might be helping the homeless people, but, you know, it's, it's really for another means. And it's really about crafting the narrative. And narcissistic supply is an interesting thing because what a narcissist need? They need narcissistic supply. Narcissistic supply in the case of you know, a narrative is if people come along and bolster that narrative, that's exactly what a narcissist wants. They're like, I'm successful. If people come along and say, wow, you're so successful. I I just love hanging out with you. You're so inspiring. I mean, that just bolsters their ego, makes them feel awesome. That's what they need is narcissistic supply. You know, if they don't get narcissistic supply, they can get pretty grumpy, pretty upset, pretty dangerous in some cases. Um, But a lot of times, if they're getting their narcissistic supply, they can get kind of happy. And so often with these projected false selves is they can be almost like forced down your throat. So another thing narcissists do is control everything. Um, They like to control you. They like to keep you in line. They don't like you running off doing your own thing, Um, you know, because they have this projected false self they got to uphold. And so if you're around them, and you're actually useful to them, then you are a part of that. Then they want you to be a part of that. You are a tool in their belt. They are using you to uphold that narrative. So control is just part of it. So part of the narcissistic supply thing that I mentioned is that they really long for admiration and respect. All of them do that. So the more overt types, they are getting that. They might be like a big CEO making 20 million a year. Everybody loves and respects them. Actors or famous. A lot of, you know, I, you know, I don't know for sure. I don't want to just classify famous people, but I, I did hear one PhD psychologist say, you know, if she wrote a book on narcissism, on how to be a narcissist, it would basically read on a manual on how to achieve and get ahead in this culture. Because and in a lot of ways, we kind of respect narcissistic people, I think, a lot of the times. You know, they, they're confident, and they know what they want, and they're pushing ahead, and they achieve their goals, and they, you know, but a lot of times they're kind of using people to do it, leaving this wake of bodies in, in their wake. You know, they want that admiration, and if they get it, that's narcissistic supply. And so I think that it's possible that the more covert types, they're not really getting that same admiration. And I've actually watched as a covert type kind of starts to find themselves and get their, get their crew and kind of rise out of that covert as they get more, you know, confidence and sort of support. And so they have all these people kind of breathing into them and you can actually watch a covert narcissist become more overt. And that's why 
I think, and you know, people like Richard Grannon, I've heard him say this as well, and other people, that really narcissists are all the same. It's just that coverts are sort of at a different stage than overts, uh, less confidence, you know, maybe more depressed, more shy, more insecure. So another thing all narcissists will do is they use manipulation. So a lot of times, overts kind of just boss people and they tell people what they want very directly. And you know, I kind of wonder too if the difference between overt and covert has a lot to do with personality. Like some people are just direct people. Um, that's a kind of a personality trait, direct versus like indirect communication. Um, you know, an, an overt is just more direct. They just, they'll just tell you what to do and what they expect of you and you better do this and okay, we're, we're doing this thing. And you're kind of just like, okay, I'll do that thing because this person was so confident in telling me. Whereas a covert, they're not as confident telling you. So they will use manipulation more to get what they need. But that's not to say that overts don't use manipulation as well, because they do. That's another key trait of narcissism, manipulation. Watch my other video on manipulation techniques. I did a whole thing on a bunch of manipulation techniques, but things like guilt tripping, things like gaslighting is a big thing that narcissists do. I mean, that, I wonder if that's maybe their main thing. It's basically making you feel like a crazy person so that you fall in line. And um, you know, if you get too much confidence, then you might not do what they want anymore. So it's kind of a sad fact that a lot of narcissists, they kind of want to keep you down and they do that with gaslighting. It's horrible. Um, you know, passive aggressive behavior, that's a one that coverts really like. Anyway, I'll go more into that when I talk more about covert narcissism. You know, one key thing about the manipulation is it's really hard to get them to stop doing it. It's really hard to call them out on it because if you do call them out on it, you know, they're, they're just immediately deny it. And that is an, a, a good way, I should have put this earlier maybe in the video, on how you can sort of see a narcissist. And they basically deny doing things that they've obviously done. Richard Grannon has this beautiful example with a milkshake. You walk into a room, you see them drinking your milkshake, they've got chocolate milkshake all over your face, and you say, why are you drinking my milkshake? And they go, they put it down and they're like, I wasn't drinking your milkshake. And that kind of um, justification comes out all the time when you call them out on things. Hey, you are guilt tripping me. No, I wasn't. Or you did this. Uh, no, I wasn't. Are you crazy? No, I wasn't doing that. And it's just like this vicious endless circle because they're using manipulation techniques and you can't really make them stop because they won't admit it and then they don't apologize and it's just like this endless thing and it's literally one of the most frustrating things in the world. So if you've experienced that, you know, I empathize with you because it's the worst. And, you know, I've experienced this. It's, it's hard. You got to put up boundaries. And so that's how you deal with this stuff. So the last trait I'm going to talk about for all narcissists is they have very specific needs. And if you are in their life, you can help them in a specific way and they expect you to help them. So the overts will just, you know, ask you to do things. And I have a person in my life and it's just... It's actually hilarious the things that this person will ask for. Some of them are just ridiculous. You know, things that no normal person would ever ask for. I've talked about this in my other videos, but obscene requests. They got, they got no problem with just asking for the most ridiculous things. The end result is they will try to make you do things. The coverts, on the other hand, they don't really come out and directly say what they want you to do sometimes, but they might throw out the victim card. So they kind of, they're like, woe is me, I'm, I'm so abused, or I'm so depressed, or I'm so victimized in this situation. I, can you come help me, right? And sort of that's how they get things done. So, you know, so empathetic people 
often get really sucked in because they're like, oh, this person needs my help. I like to help people. And then they're in there helping this person. Little do they know, it's a narcissist with this kind of covert victim mentality with some layered guilt tripping and manipulation to kind of make them do things. So guilt tripping is often a big part of coverts. They're the masters of guilt tripping. And they will use little things to make you do other things. They will make you feel bad to do their stuff. Hate guilt tripping. So check out my other video if you wanna learn more about the manipulation techniques and guilt tripping. So another thing about all narcissists is they hate boundaries. And if you put boundaries up, they will often lose it because they just, it's like, how dare you not do what I want you to do? It's almost like they're offended by the idea of boundaries because you are a tool and you are supposed to be doing this job and all of a sudden the hammer says, um, excuse me, I am not being hammered into nails anymore. You're like, well, you're a pretty useless hammer, aren't you? And you'll, you, know, you might throw that hammer away. And unfortunately, a lot of times when you put up boundaries with narcissists and you're not really meeting their needs anymore, they'll go find somebody else to meet their needs. If they do discard you, is it really the end of the world? I mean, now you can go get healthy. So. Um, maybe not so bad. I mean, it's, it can be very painful, obviously, but maybe uh, something to think about. Okay, so the last, the last thing I'm going to talk about here with regards to all narcissists and their traits is competitive. They're super competitive. That's something that I've noticed. Maybe this isn't exactly a scientifically proven thing. This is kind of my own opinion, this one. It seems like every narcissist I've seen, they're super competitive. Um, they want to be the best. They want everybody to know they're the best. And if you're kind of in a position with one where they're used to being better at something than you, and then suddenly you get good at it or you get better than them, they have a really hard time managing that. It's like they're just poor losers is, is what it is. You know those people that are just really terrible losers? Probably narcissists. Super competitive. They just want to like beat other people down. Like, I don't know about you, but with me, like when I'm playing games and stuff like that, I don't want to beat somebody down. Like I don't want to destroy them 10 nothing. I feel bad. Like I, I want them to have a good experience. I want them to have a fun time. Nobody likes to lose severely, but you know, a narcissist I've noticed, they just, they kind of enjoy that they are supreme and you are the lowly subject. Bow to me. It's just another way to for them to feel like the king of the castle, in my opinion. So now that I've gone through sort of the key traits of all narcissists, I'm gonna move on to covert narcissists and sort of how are they special from these traits and what extra traits do they have? And they might kind of all be born out of the same core narcissistic traits underneath the surface, but they're expressed in different ways. So to kind of keep these videos a little shorter, I'm gonna actually do this in two parts. So I'm gonna end this video now, and I'll put a link in the description to part two of this video where I'll go more into covert. So thanks for checking this out. Go check out the next video if you wanna learn more about covert narcissists. Covert narcissists, I feel like, are the, the real wolves in sheep's clothing. You gotta watch out for them most of all. And, uh, but anyway, thanks for checking out this video. If you have any comments, leave them in the description below. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for watching.